0: Welcome to Galaxy Brains, the podcast from Galaxy Digital Research. As always, I'm your host, Alex Thorne. I'm the head of firm-wide research at Galaxy Digital. And I'm joined by members of the Galaxy Digital Research team today, Saul Kadir and Lule Mascall. Hey, Saul. Hey, how's it going? I'm great. Lule, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. We're also joined by a special guest from Galaxy, one of Galaxy's top traders, Bimnet a baby. How are you doing, Bim?
1: Doing good. Thanks for having me on, Thorne.
0: Yes. uh, This week, we're going to discuss markets with BIM. Uh, We're going to talk about Coinbase launching their new NFT trading platform. And we're going to talk about DYDX uh, and some moves that they're making in a forthcoming upgrade to further decentralize the protocol. I am here in sunny Miami this week. We met uh, Galaxy uh, in partnership with the U.S. Conference of Mayors and Emerge America did a big conference with tons of mayors from around the country on Bitcoin and digital assets. It was very exciting. I'll talk about that a little bit too. But let's kick it off first with BIMNet. Um, markets have been a little interesting. The volatility you're, you're seeing in in traditional markets is
1: really sort of you know picked up this year for a number of reasons, um, and the primary reason is really a function of. Um, the, the shift in monetary policy that's happened, you know, globally, right, to, to start with the Fed, you know, the Fed is going to be aggressively hiking rates, you know, for the foreseeable future through 2023. Um, they're going to be going in clips of, you know, 50 basis points, at least for, for the next two meetings in, in a row. Um, and they're also going to be winding down the, the balance sheet at, you know, what they say is is the fastest rate that, you know, um, that they've ever done. Um, and so, you know, what that's led to is, is sort of knock-on effects where you've had, you know, the Bank of Canada, Bank of England, the ECB, all sort of take, you know, more hawkish stance on, on monetary policy. And that's, again, caused, you know, front-end rates to, to sell off. And typically, you know, when you have bonds selling off or, you know, one of the world's most owned asset classes selling off, that leads to other asset classes selling off like equities, right? Um, and that's pretty natural, you know, in the sense that, you know, interest rates, you know, do have a... Direct consequence on on companies, whether it's borrowing costs, discount rates, whatever it may be, and this is all in an effort to sort of get inflation down, right? So we've seen you know historic levels of volatility in in traditional markets, largely as a function of you know monetary policy. But you've had you know other things like you know in, inflation, the the war, and then you know you've seen sort of translation of of, of the Fed going to to a more hawkish sort of monetary policy, right? other central banks. And in turn, you know, this has impacted risk assets and risk assets are, are super correlated with things like Bitcoin and, and Ethereum. Um, and so that's largely been, you know, sort of what's been driving markets over the past,
0: you know, sort of three, four months or so.
1: Happy to dive deeper. No, it
0: was a great overview. Really appreciate it. What do you think on the correlations? I mean, it feels like we're at, at, at the peak of like Bitcoin and, and, you know, equity correlations and Ethereum too. I mean, you can't, Can't really go much higher. But at the same time, when you look at crypto markets, at least in the, the, you know, the top coins like Bitcoin, it looks pretty resilient in the scheme of things. How are you thinking about that correlation right now? You know, I think it's it's one of those things that's almost a, a
1: self-fulfilling prophecy. Most of the macro traders I've spoken to over the past two to three months have Bitcoin up on their screens, right? Whether you're a, a credit trader, whether you're a G10FX trader, whether you're um, an equity index vol guy, whether you're a fixed income PM, you know, more and more macro types have started to, to think about crypto as a macro asset class um, and to trade trade that way. And so what that leads to is generally lower volatility in, in, in things like Bitcoin as it sort of matches what's going on in, in traditional markets. And then that generally means that, you know, if if it is viewed as a macro asset class, trades like one, has a lower vol profile, that it attracts more institutional investors which are, you know, gonna think about Bitcoin more of a as a you know macro asset class. It almost becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you know, the, the lower the volatility, the, the more it resembles traditional things, the more likely it is to go into traditional portfolios, the more likely it is to be viewed as a traditional sort of risk-on, risk-off asset. And so it's almost become this self-fulfilling prophecy. And then the counter to that though is that we know that you know there's a difference between, you know, diamond hand buyers. And, and fast money types, right? And so a lot of the, the buying and the accumulation that you've seen in, in Bitcoin and Ethereum, you know, over the past couple of months have really been to, to you know, strong hands in, in the market, you know, such as, you know, the, the Luna Foundation, you know, the micro strategies of the world, the the consensus of the world, the folks that are focused on, you know, staking and, and, and the merge, etc. So you've had a pretty dramatic, Reduction in you know what I think is the the floating supply of you know bitcoin and and ethereum, and so when you have bouts of you know risk on where people are are more comfortable buying a lot of stocks or they 're not as worried about you know central banks et etc, I think you'll sort of start to see outsized moves um, to the upside um, in crypto, but I do see that that correlation sort of holding in, and you know not to get into the sort of granular details of it, but you know there is a difference between you know let's say bitcoin gaps between from 41500 to 43500 tomorrow while the s&p is flat today right so you you'll have a comp- or down right so that's a complete one day breakdown in 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 correlation right but let's say for the balance of the week you know they are trade one for one and so i think you're going to see You know, certain periods where you'll you'll see decoupling just because of, you know, some of these these demand supply dynamics and some of the more idiosyncratic things that that Mm -hmm. are relevant to crypto. But you'll have prolonged periods of of pretty tight correlation on average. And, And I think that is sort of the new regime that that, you know, crypto is in. And I think it's a lane that, you know, most crypto folks should be happy about, because what this does is it attracts large pools of of capital looking to, you know, deploy in crypto markets.
0: Yeah, into risk assets and ones that have high potential upside, like Bitcoin and and other digital assets and cryptos. Um, This is fascinating, BIMNet. Thanks for joining. Please do stick around. Uh, Let's move on, though. We've got to keep this thing humming. Second story this week. Uh, Coinbase, obviously, the large crypto exchange, publicly traded crypto exchange, they have launched uh, in, I guess, beta or an initial version, their own NFT marketplace. Um, Obviously, OpenSea is the industry leader here. But Coinbase um, had a massive backlog of people waiting for this thing to happen. It's apparently up. Saul, tell us about it. Yes. Um, What's going on out there in NFT
2: world? Absolutely. So this has been talked about by the community since last year, Coinbase launching an NFT marketplace uh, just to catch people up. So Coinbase, very popular amongst retail users as an on-ramp into crypto and for trading crypto, currently has 89 million users, according to the website. As far as the waitlist just for their NFT marketplace, as of late February, there was 4 million people on that waitlist. And to put this into context, if you look at every single person who's ever traded on OpenSea or interacted with OpenSea, according to Dune, that's 1.5 million traders. So we're talking about 2.6 x the number of people who've ever used OpenSea just on this Coinbase NFT waitlist. So obviously it's been pretty highly anticipated. It's finally out in a beta version, and there a select people, a uh, group of people, can actually use it for trading. But right now you can just browse all the NFTs on uh, Coinbase. As far as like the look and feel, it's incredibly similar to OpenSea, which I guess is is familiar for most people. They, they're, they're doing no transaction fees to start, so zero transaction fees, but they eventually will probably move into a low single-digit fee like an OpenSea or a fair around 2%. And it's non-custodial, so you can use Coinbase Wallet, MetaMask, any other ETH browser wallet. And it's really, in terms of uh, differentiation, so obviously they have most of the features that OpenSea has. What they want to do in the future, what their plans are, is they want to emphasize social features. So, so think following commenting liking nfts displayed on profiles like instagram even having an instagram-esque feed and they want to use these features to create more engagement and discussion around nfts which is missing
0: oh yeah that that seems like a brilliant move i'm, I'm actually shocked now that you mention it that openc hasn't already done that i'm sure it's on their roadmap as well
2: totally totally
0: you know, it's wild, like, when you think about the NFT market today, um, and it is big, and I forget we had the number, uh, but, you know, it was something like over $40 billion in sales minimum last year and um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: trades just on Ethereum-based NFT marketplaces. It might have been over 50, I can't remember, but a massive amount. You remember what the number was?
2: Yeah, so, like, really rough numbers is, um, yeah, I can't remember the, the volume, but I know, like, NFTs are about 1% of all crypto. In terms of just value
0: yeah i think i think it was like 50 billion dollars of sales yeah in any case it's a large market to be honest and but fascinatingly it's sort of following a power law distribution it's really like a couple projects are probably you know account for 90 percent of the entire value of the nft space you know your punks your apes your i don't know even your me bits your 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 whatever is your pudgy penguins right these sort of like more iconic mostly profile picture projects right and what else? There was some new project I launched that I saw that launched this yeah, week um, yeah. that was getting a lot of play.
2: So so it's funny you mentioned the power law distribution of NFT collections, uh, which has always has been the case. Um, but Moonbirds took the crypto world by storm this past weekend. They launched on Saturday, and today they are number six in market cap, according to CoinGecko. Uh, their floor is at 21 ETH, approximately about $64,000. And the, the whole story with that is... It started, it, this was created by this thing called the Proof Collective, which is founded by this guy, Kevin Rose, which is a Web2 veteran and a couple of Web3 investors, Justin Mezzel and Ryan Carson. Uh, so a mix of Web2, Web3 experience. Uh, so this collective launched in December and initially it only was a, you have to own an NFT to be in it. It's basically like a private discord for alpha uh, and for getting access to drops and stuff like that. It was two ETH to join this. Now the floor for that NFT to join Proof is 91 ETH. So the community's taken this uh, as like a very high value community to be a part of. And the way Moonbirds worked is they launched out of this. And so if you owned one of these membership NFTs, you had you were guaranteed two Moonbirds for every membership NFT you owned. Otherwise, you would have to enter a raffle to have the privilege of getting a guaranteed mint of a Moonbird. And certainly now that this has had a ton of success, probably would expect the proof collective to also accrue in value it's it's honestly pretty similar to the board apes yacht club ecosystem of what they've done what what these guys have proven is that this is i guess repeatable um you know it's another 10k pfp project they never claim to make this about art they don't claim that it's beautiful art and honestly you know it looks okay
0: it's fascinating i mean i i I'm, i i remain um cautiously skeptical on this entire model but you have certainly seen the board apes yacht club be very successful, and and that the value in those NFTs actually sustain and rise over time, over up at this point, I mean, many months, I mean, nine months, right? It's been um, how many of these 10,000 PFP projects can actually hold their value. Um, You know, I, I don't know, but the answer, but it's interesting to see one sort of come out of left field and rock it up in value really quickly. Certainly. Lots to watch here you know, incredibly fascinating as well. A couple of things to
1: to keep in mind, you know, not just specific to sort of NFT DAOs, but, you know, protocols in general that have built, you know, pretty substantial treasuries, like these DAOs and and treasuries will be around for for decades. You know, some of the like the the notionals that have been accumulated are just so high. And if you think, you know, ETH or Bitcoin are going to be decent stores of value, if you think, you know, even just, just stables are going to be good, you know, uh, sort of store of value. Like the, they're, they're going to be institutions that are around for a while and sort of, you know, the analogy is just, you know, a family office that has just gotten so rich that, you know, said family office is going to be around for, for decades upon, upon decades. So that that's point one. And point two, really interesting anecdote. There was a a Twitter account that did an analysis of, of some of the, the best accounts, um, on on eth in terms of you know these are the the guys that have returned the most amount of you know money over over specific periods these are the guys with the best sort of sharp ratios sort of best farming and pretty much you know, the one theme that was consistent across all of these accounts was that a certain portion of their assets were in NFTs. Totally, um, they, totally. They've been holding
2: their
0: value. They have been.
2: It, it reminds me, honestly, a lot of these alt layer ones. Like if you owned a board ACI club like a year ago it just held on to all of the airdrops and combine all of that return, it's like 2,600% year over year, which is wow. similar returns to like, you know, the Solu and AVAX play. Uh, last year, so yeah, totally agree.
0: Can't see what happened. I mean, this is what was so uh, interesting about Yuga Labs' acquisition of the IP for Punks and mebits was, you know, what, what can they make happen with it? Because um, those projects were OG and they have, you know, credibility and and sort of uh, originality from being early. I mean, Punks predates ERC seven twenty one, but you know, they hadn't really done anything community wise, and, and it's sort of the Yuga Labs folks have really pioneered this concept of building out a whole ecosystem around it. So it'd be really exciting to see, I think, for, for punks, um, what happens and me bits, I suppose, um, what, what being part of the yuga labs ecosystem brings to those projects, which are also, by the way, like holding their value pretty well. Oh yeah. Um, without, without that. Right. So, all right, let's, this is fascinating conversation on NFTs. Let's move on. Um, Lule is going to tell us about a forthcoming upgrade to DYDX. The decentralized, uh, you know, what is it? Futures exchange, right? Essentially, uh, or derivatives exchange? Tell us.
3: Yeah, DYDX that works with spot, margins, and perpetuals actually too as well. Yeah, so yesterday they released the roadmap to a future full decentralization titled Version Four. Uh, And yeah, as you're saying, they they kind of fill a compelling niche within the crypto trading realm because they do offer spot, margin, perpetuals. Uh, It's built on top of Ethereum. Uh, Been around for a while. Founded. 2017 um actually by an ex-coinbase engineer so dydx uh, now has two layers right layer one is the highly it's pretty liquid decentralized exchange for crypto margin spot and then layer two is that perpetual side um and they also offer petrol contracts for a wide assortment of digital assets but
0: and they they operate that layer two is on starkware right
3: Correct. Yeah, it's on Starkware. Yeah. Uh, Starkrollups a smart contract. Yeah. So the and then DEX kind of rose to prominence in late September of 2021, right when they had that that moment where they passed Coinbase in trading volume amidst all the China crackdowns, and that kind of brought them in the limelight. And they sustained. They don't. They're, they're, I don't. I believe they're not uh, above Coinbase in trading volume, but they sustained in that top 10. Uh, so today they have that hybrid function, right? Part centralized and part decentralized, and that is what this new version is trying to tackle. That layer one product, they use a traditional off-chain order book model and matching engine. So DYDX Trading, Inc., uh, a centralized company, runs servers, and they run those off-chain order books, right? And they collect trading fees. Uh, that layer two, as you're saying, is a start roll-up, and that's it's that's uh, decentralized for all intents and purposes. So this DYDX version four, is the mission is to simply decentralize that order book and matching engine. And actually, this new version four will uh, kind of deprecate the old layer two perpetual. This will once this new uh, version rolls up, it will push out, right? Those older, older versions. Uh, The two main things that I noticed, um, you know, in their proposal that they're trying to attack is one, their throughput. So they're doing 500 orders per second on that layer one. And also the challenges that they said is, is, is keeping that finality, the sequencing the trades properly. Those are the challenges that they saying that are going to be the the hardest to face. Uh, And it's going to be entirely open source. Um, And so that's also really interesting. And I think, the word that kept coming up is the DYDX community. And uh, that seems to be a, a big push here is to usher in a new area of DYDX community governance. So I guess, you know, just to keep it nice and tight, cause I don't want to speculate too much There's not as much information out. Uh, just a couple of things to think about, right? Is, you know, what, what role will the DYDX token play in this future ecosystem? Uh, what, you know, what chain, where will this version four exist, uh, where and, and on what? Um, and then lastly, the, all those trading fees that DYDX Trading Inc was accumulating, where will those be rerouted to, if so? So, yeah, those are some things to think about.
0: I mean, really interesting. Um, I just am a true believer in layered scaling. And, and DYDX was is, is essentially, I think, probably the most used L2 for a long time, you know, in the Ethereum ecosystem. So I've always enjoyed seeing that be built. But... Yeah, big questions. I mean, if you if you trade or own, you know, DYDX or on DYD or other stuff using it, right? Where where is this gonna be? When's it gonna happen? What are the details? Those are big questions. And and they haven't given any any details on this yet, right?
3: They haven't, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty new rollout. Um, and and you're right. I mean, the the topic of decentralized trading and and um and non and not being able to be censored is really important, especially for a lot of traders. Amidst that, the whole China crackdown that kind of made this topic um, up front. So, uh, I'm I, yeah, I'm really curious on how this will happen. Especially like you said, like, yeah, I, I'm I'm all for layer two rollups as well. But for the throughput that they're talking about, especially for this spot. And margin trading, um, who knows? I mean, I don't know where that where that could be uh, feasible.
0: Yeah, a lot of different approaches to on-chain order book stuff. We're seeing, obviously, like Serum on Solana is, takes a different approach, and this is one approach. And then, obviously, you have the AMMs, which don't have order books, right? And it, it's interesting that the trading the um, innovation in on-chain trading technology that's happening. So, you know, I think this sounds, I I guess they're just telling us, look, this future version, it's going to fully decentralize and, you know, we'll have to see it to believe it. Um, All right, let's, let me wrap this up. I just want to tell the audience a little bit about what we were doing in Miami this week. So with Emerge Americas and the U S conference of mayors galaxy digital sponsored and and put on curated a, a one day conference in Miami with the support of Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami and, and many others that something like 50 or 60 mayors attended. I believe um, I was there. I just don't know the exact number, but it was a lot. These are mayors from big cities around the country, from Atlanta, from Charlotte, uh, from Jackson, Mississippi, and Shreveport, Louisiana, and all these places. I mean, from all over the country, all to learn about Bitcoin and how it can help their communities. Um, and it was super interesting, huge variety in existing knowledge about Bitcoin and digital assets really all over the spectrum from, you know, early believer to, um, you know, talking about buying property through, through DAOs and, and issuing Bitcoin, you know, dividends and, and stuff that these mayors have are, we're all over the spectrum in terms of their knowledge, but, but all fully very interested, um, in, in the space and what it can do for their cities. I think it's a huge, it, I, I came away from this, this thing, uh, in conference, very, very bullish. Yeah, I did too. Um, not just for digital assets, but, but for cities and, and America being a, a federal republic, right, where we have essentially decentralized government, and that was what we were created as. And it was great to see this. Sorry, Lule was here with me, too. What what were your thoughts, Lule?
3: Well, yeah, I just wanted to totally double down on that, that it was inspiring and, and came away with just the, the level of questions, the level of, of of passion and interest. And I remember when uh, when uh, Mayor Suarez was having the Q&A and everyone was passing around the mic, the just the, the pure curiosity. And willingness to learn and and humility was incredible, uh, and also like this this uh interest in in k through twelve education came up a lot, yeah and they came up as like you know why isn't this being taught right if we want if we want people in the crypto industry and we want to promote diversity in the crypto industry, we have to educate uh you know from the foundation up and and that was a really really nice thing to hear as well and and then also a highlight for me was the neil katyal um doing a q and a really thoughtful and and um been in an interesting interview as well. So it definitely came away positive and bullish. I
0: agree. Yeah, Mike Novogratz spoke several times, both at the this sort of summit. It was called the eGov Summit. It was on the sidelines of Emerge Americas, which is a big Miami tech conference. Uh, Mike spoke at both eGov and and um, Emerge. And, and then Neil Katyal, who is a senior advisor to Galaxy Digital, but a famous and, and successful and, and really inspiring U.S. Supreme Court lawyer, former um, acting solicitor general under President Obama, he gave a fascinating talk that I think had a lot of people really engaged. And um, it was just a great event. It was really interesting. I mean, it's it's really, really interesting talking about Bitcoin um, and digital assets more broadly. But this was mostly a Bitcoin conference and with public officials. And, and they're interested. They are engaged. And, um, you know, we hear a lot about like Washington, but this was all ex-Washington, right? So... And it's, it's great to see that truly around the country, there's just interest everywhere. And um, man, it was fun. Uh, and and we were, were in Miami again, and uh, it's a great city. And it's been a lot of fun down here. So keep an eye on that. I think we, we may have some videos that we can share ultimately from that conference that were really good. So, uh, But bullish on mayors and any mayors or public officials in general that want to learn about Bitcoin and, and digital assets and the future of money. And by the way, the history of money, money <laughs> which is part of that learning process um you know you know where to find us all right let's wrap this up with some quick takes got some weird news here Andre Cronje uh the developer of yearn.finance and 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 many other crypto projects he had a he had a blog post he's he's very despondent it seems now he's done spent years building unregulated defi but now he says
2: uh defi needs to be regulated did anyone see this yeah this was i don't know <laughs> it's like easy to say when you've been very successful already but i don't know maybe he has some good points wasn't a huge fan of the piece.
0: Yeah, I mean I I agree. Um all right, we're moving on. These are quick. Uh <laughs> so optimism, right, which is a layer two roll up, a type of so optimistic roll ups are a type of layer two uh roll up and optimism builds uh is one of these layer twos. They've been like teasing a token and I I you know you can't help but not see this. It's even it's all over Twitter. Um, even apparently Coinbase has a, a price page for it, even though it's not up there yet, right? So uh this this could be we're, you know, the L2s generally haven't had tokens yet, but of course we're talking about DYDX and, and Optimism may have one too. Like someone, I thought this was pretty, this, this would be pretty big news if, if they do roll one out. Agreed, agreed.
2: Should have done it sooner maybe, but yeah. No, I, I think the only really relevant thing that's on Optimism is synthetics, though. So I don't know, maybe that'll have some relation to it if they do it.
0: All right, and, and the Sandbox a metaverse, a metaverse, Um Supposedly planning to raise $400 million at a $4 billion valuation. I <sighs> um, saw that, is that, yeah. that seems high. Come on. I mean, like, is <sighs> anything going on there?
2: <laughs> it's the same old. It's just, you know, just getting our plots of land and uh, getting ready for this metaverse that will eventually come to fruition.
3: The metaverse is infinite. The metaverse <laughs> is infinite.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't like, do we, we talk about this a lot, but I don't like the concept of scarce digital land in an infinite metaverse. Um, I, I get, you know, if, if you know, snoop dogg has a house in the metaverse and a lot of cool stuff goes on there that maybe being near it will will be more valuable but otherwise right i mean
2: this land should be dirt cheap right right i think it does speak to like you know how much hype is in the metaverse category these days because of that valuation is just another signal
0: eye-popping for for basically you know no real activity yet um
1: yeah you know what i like to think about with with the metaverse like have you ever seen a, a kid you know, playing Roblox or, you know, any sort of metaverse game, etc. Like, th- they love this stuff.
0: Yo, that's you strange. know,
1: like, I-, I don't have kids of my own, but I wish I did just so I could, you know, run-, run these sort of experiments on them. Like, do you like this game? Blah, blah, blah. But I really think that it's going to lead to, you know, like, the, the further the- these metaverses and-, and these play-to-earn games develop, it's going to lead to, you know, digitally fluent, you know, generation of, of young kids coming in into into the world. And, you know, that can only sort of be, be good for crypto in, in the sense that it's, you know, sort of a gateway or, or a bridge. Um, so just, just something to think about there. But, yeah. you know, I really think that there's, there's a lot of promise in this stuff. And, you know, am I going to spend a gazillion ETH on some beachfront property in a metaverse that's endlessly expanding? Probably not. <laughs> but am I going to try to, like, invest in, in things and, and projects? Maybe the and and shovels approach um to the metaverse um yes yeah i love that point the digital literacy point is really that's that's important
2: what one small caveat here is that the metaverse is inevitable but the question of who is going to accrue the economic value creation from it is i don't think it's going to be every metaverse project you know like minecraft roblox is of the world you know even fortnite they take tens of thousands of devs and they're going to ultimately it's much easier to like just build a crypto side than to build the actual interactive universe. And Facebook could choose to not integrate with crypto and still have like an actual metaverse, like Ready Player One. So that's kind of the thesis we've been battling with as a team as to how that'll all play out over time. And it's it's kind of challenging, I think, to see.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a great point. It is not a foregone conclusion that the the one metaverse or the most important metaverses have any crypto related anything. Obviously, I think a lot of, you know, crypto investors and VCs, they they believe in the idea that you would own of an ownership economy, right? That's like sort of Chris Dixon's Web3 thesis. So that in this metaverse, hopefully crypto would enable people to have ownership and not but but that is not a foregone conclusion. So it's something to watch out for.
1: It's not but but I, I think what you have to sort of figure out is like, what is sort of the the dominant sort of game theory, like end result? um that that is most likely to happen and you know my sense is that you know all of the or most of the the the, the metaverse companies that that I've talked to have at least been in crypto um mm-hmm. you know that could just be because of you know sort of my bubble but um a lot of the investment that's going into the metaverse stuff is happening like you know from crypto vcs you know from crypto right. et cetera, and so you know uh, not to be jaded, but, you know, those guys have an incentive for, you know, everything to sort of be crypto-based. And, you know, I think that's just going to push more and more games and more and more metaverses to be, you know, sort of crypto-native. Like, you know, might even push Facebook to to be crypto-native because of how big the network outside of Facebook could could get. Um, And the other thing to keep in mind, I, I think, is just sort of the the global nature of of the of the metaverse like anybody with an internet connection can 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 meet up and so you know there the the next metaverse project that you know like pokemon go that becomes all consuming is really going to be a global phenomenon not
0: not just you know sort of domestic yeah great point and and you know we another thesis we've talked a lot about is how the metaverse is an extension of gaming in the end it's gaming technology it's it's making it feel like an immersive game, whatever it is you're doing and gaming is has been basically recession proof it's just up and to the right it gaming generates more revenue than movies and music combined for years now so um definitely a huge opportunity uh if if what we're really talking about is. You know, bringing a more immersive gaming like experience to more aspects of our lives, right? Which is, is, is I think, the way I would describe the metaverse. Um, so, definitely a big opportunity. I want to thank uh, Saul Kadir, Lule Mascal, and Bimnet Abibi for joining us this week on Galaxy Brains. I'm your host, Alex Thorne, head of Firmware research at Galaxy Digital. And this is our weekly podcast uh, where we cover everything technology, trends, and markets in Bitcoin and, and digital assets. And Join us next week and have an excellent weekend. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information on our research reports and what we are doing and working on at Galaxy Digital Research, visit us at www.galaxydigital.io research and follow us on Twitter at GLXY Research. Those links will be in the show notes. Again, thanks everyone for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Galaxy Brains.